0: Hey everyone, we appreciate you listening. We'll get into the show in a bit, but just want to mention, go check out our Twitter page, at Madness for all of our show updates, as well as some breaking news tweets. Also, check out our website where we post all of our writing at midcourtmadness.wordpress.com. Here's the show. On today's Midcourt Madness, Kentucky absolutely dominates the CBS Sports Classic, as COVID was the only team that tried to put up a fight against them. Baylor survives the scare and ends the run of number one teams going down, and Memphis won a game. Let's get into it. All right, bigs, um, we'll get into it here shortly. But how much does it suck that like a lot of our games have just
1: been canceled? Like a lot of our good games. It, it is kind of, it puts a damper on things, doesn't it? I mean, we were, we, 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 we want this no matter how hard we try to put, uh, to put this dumb pandemic in our, in our rear view, it just doesn't want to quite go away. And um, <clears throat> here we are They're We're getting games canceled. The NFL is moving games back around. I think uh, there's some games on Tuesday, this upcoming week, which yeah. is, which is certainly uh, outside the norm, but um, you know, I, John, I'm perfectly fine giving up all of my freedoms. Just don't take my sports away, COVID. Don't yeah. do it to me. Take my freedom. Don't take my sports.
0: Bigs, uh, I have to ask. Um, you sound a little differently. Right? Are you okay?
1: Yeah, I, I'm actually. I'm under, I'm under the weather. You know, I'm, I'm facing some adversity here. I'm a little ill. I'm gonna fight through it though. I'm not gonna make excuses. But just let, just so you know, if I don't pot as well as as I usually do, it's because I'm ill. It's not. I'm not making an excuse though. I just want you to know that I am sick, but I'm fighting through it. You're
0: the, you're the guy that shows up to pick up ball complaining that like you sprained your ankle a week ago and you're, you're just not going to be yourself.
1: Yeah. But, but I'm still going to be there. I'm still going to play though. So you have to laud me for my toughness.
0: I, I will. You're uh, I if I were you, I wouldn't be doing this. I would be you know, in my bed, drinking water, watching Netflix.
1: But I, I'm, I, I, yeah, no, but like, I, I need you to know that I'm tougher than you because, because I'm sick and I'm not going to make excuses of it. I just, nobody even needs to worry about it. I'm sick. It, it is what it is, but I, I am sick. Yeah.
0: Yes. This okay.
1: Just I, let I, I, I let come stick. up with so many
0: more, so many more jokes. Like I want to make like a Michael Jordan flu game reference, even. Yeah. Um, but you know, I'll say that for the end. I'll say that for the end.
1: Okay. All right.
0: So now I was actually thinking about this earlier. Do you remember we were potting over the summer and we were doing our big winners and big losers, right? Yeah. And one of my big winners at one point was December eighteenth, because we had all these games that were going to be you know coming up. We had the ohio state ucla north carolina or not ohio state kentucky north carolina ucla we had gonzaga texas tech we had memphis tennessee What was it tennessee baylor yeah. oregon baylor oregon all these games and two of those got canceled if i if my if i can count correctly two of those got canceled
1: yeah. um
0: and we still had uh you know we still had some quality games That like gonzaga texas tech one still happened um We still had the championship of the CBS Sports Classic, which uh, North Carolina was runner-up in that. But, boy, did they look awful.
1: Yeah, I tell you what. I mean, going into that game, all the talk was about how Kentucky had not been uh, very impressive to to start this season. The only two kind of high-major teams that they had played, they had lost to, losing to Duke and Notre Dame. And uh, you sure wouldn't have known it It, – watching the game Saturday night, Kentucky looked like an elite, an elite level team. I mean, they, they looked big. They looked athletic. They were, their guards were getting all anywhere they wanted to on the floor. I mean, it was, it was a varsity versus a, not even a JV team. It was like the varsity versus like the freshman B. Uh, that was, that was, that was mighty impressive and, for Kentucky. And I, I think, I think you can both come away with a, I think you feel a lot better about Kentucky than you did a week ago. And, and B, I, I think you've, you feel I mean I'm all the way out on this North Carolina team. One one performance like that. I know we live in a world where we're we're trying to buck the trend of overreacting, but I don't think I'm over I'm just going to react to it. That was disgusting and like good teams just don't lose by 40 points to someone like that. They looked North Carolina looked pathetic and uh Kentucky looked really good.
0: Yeah, you know, the game started and I think it was like three like North Carolina scored first, Kentucky got a three and then it was uh Severe Wheeler picks the ball from RJ Davis and gets an easy layup. Which Severe Wheeler had an amazing game—twenty-six points, on fifteen shots, and and also he, let's see—he had eight assists. But like, as good as his offensive day was, his defensive day was just as good because he was just hounding RJ Davis up the floor all game, and North Carolina just could not get in any sort of rhythm offensively. You know, I remember saying to myself with about five minutes left and North Carolina, was down 17. All like right, five minutes left of the first half. North Carolina is down 17. And I had to tell myself, like, you know, you know, I always look at sort of like a path to victory type thing. Right. And I tell myself, if they can get this down to about 10 or 12 for halftime, maybe there's a chance in the second half. Right. And they get it down to 11. And I'm thinking, OK, they have a little momentum. They like they probably won that last two minutes of the first half. And then they came on the second half, and the second half was worse. They gave up fifty eight points in the second half.
1: Yeah, our fresh our freshman coach to our to our freshman team always kind of says like at halftime, you know, who, you know, the scores you know going into halftime have usually been fairly close because they're freshman games, you know, and the, the talent discrepancy isn't huge most of the time. But he always just says, "Hey, the first three minutes of this third quarter, because we play quarters in South Dakota, we're way behind everybody else." North, North uh, Dakota does that too. Except, oh, do they really? Oh. Uh, class
0: B does quarters. Class A does halves. If I remember. Okay. So okay. it's weird. Yeah. That is weird.
1: I don't know. Minnesota, yeah. we we did halves starting my maybe like my eighth grade year of high school. So okay. it's been like 15 years now since they've been since they've gone to halves. So I just think it's weird quarters. But he he always kind of says like the first three minutes of this third quarter are gonna they're gonna decide this game. So if you come out with the kind of intensity, you got to set the tone. You got to reset the tone basically, and. Um boy, Kentucky sure did that. And then they played the next 17 minutes, continuing to set that tone, just dominating. I, I don't know. I, I again I'm just kind of out on Carolina, man. This, this, ain't, mm-hmm. this, ain't, this ain't a Tar Heel team. This just ain't like the guards just ain't it. You no. know? Um, <clears throat> I don't care if Caleb Love is shooting better this year than he was last year, and he's averaging more points. He's still the same, he's still the same player to me. He takes stupid shots, and there hasn't been any point in the year where like he just Yesterday was an opportunity for him to show, like if he if he's an actual like NBA guy, be the best player on the floor. And he was completely invisible. Yep. And uh, you know, Baycott came out and, and played well early. He was getting kind of his butt handed to him by Shebway, Kentucky big guy. But I I just think those Kentucky or those Carolina guards are just not it. They're not good enough, and they're good enough for them to be a tournament team. You know, UNC's probably going to be in the same spot they were last year, where they're probably like a seven, eight, nine seed somewhere in that range, they're okay, but you know, Carolina's graded on a curve, just like Kansas is graded on a curve. Duke's graded on a curve. Kentucky's graded on a curve. Michigan State. Some of these programs where you expect better than seven, eight, nine seed, you expect them to be uh, nationally relevant, and they haven't been that since about 2018, when they were when they were a one seed or a two seed. I think they had well 2019, the year when they had Kobe White and like Cam Johnson and Luke May. That group was a one seed. I remember and lost in the Sweet 16. That was the last time they had a a good Carolina team, and I feel like they've gotten worse and worse and worse over the last five years. Um, you know that 2020 team with Cole Anthony was was pathetic, obviously. Mm-hmm. Although I do think injuries, yeah, made he, he it even missed worse. 15. But, but games that team wasn't done. it either. And like this team, just it just looks like these guys just. I don't care that they didn't shoot well. They're going to have nights where so they don't shoot well, right? And everyone's, I think a lot of people are saying, well, they shot 0 13 from three, or 1 of 13, or whatever. They didn't shoot well." give him a hundred points, like mm-hmm. have some pride, you know, like you're going to have to win games without being able to shoot well all the time. This is not, this isn't why ball, you know, you got to sit down and play some defense. And uh, they gave up 98 points to a Kentucky team that, that flat out didn't look good enough against the Duke team and a Notre Dame team. They look less talented than both those teams. That's, that's alarming.
0: Yeah. And thing about the UNC team is I don't know what their identity is. Like, I feel like, a lot of times, good teams have some sort of identity. They Maybe they're a shooting team. Maybe they're a team that moves the ball around well, just makes that extra pass. Maybe they're a team that gets after it on the boards, which that used to be North Carolina before um, before this year. But like, they, they just don't have an identity. And um, back to Baycott, because I think he was easily their best player yesterday. But even with that, like I don't even think he won his matchup. I think Sheboy still won that matchup.
1: Yeah, he for sure did.
0: Yeah. And so yeah, I'm I'm in with I'm with you on that. Where I'm start, I'm probably not as out on them as you are, but
1: I, I'm harder on them than you are. I think tend, no. I tend to be. But yeah, uh, you know, I mean, we were just talking last week when we potted. We said this might be the second best team in the ACC. I I don't know. I don't. I haven't seen all the other teams in the ACC. But boy, I, I just I watched that team yesterday, and I say there's no way that's the second best team in a high major conference. Like yep. I know they're not going to play that bad all the time, but. I think when you show someone that you're capable of playing that poorly, I mean they lost by 39 points, didn't they? Was it 39? Uh, 29,
0: 29.
1: 29. They lost by 30. I mean, yeah. that's that's just not that's just not okay. I mean, and it's not like they got and it's not like they're playing against a team that uh snuck up on them. Isn't isn't this the type of game that you get up for? And and you think you're mm-hmm. I'm going to be at my best. We're playing Kentucky. We're playing in Vegas. Like this is a this isn't like a tournament game, but like, this is kind of a big deal. This is a game that, you know, the scouts are going to be at. Like, this is one that show me something. Right. Okay. And, and, and they didn't, and it, and it wasn't, and it wasn't because of the lack of shooting. I mean, they didn't shoot well, but like, they just look lazy. You know what I mean? Like they just, they don't play hard. And like, I don't put that on the coach. I'm not one of those fans that says, Oh, coach has got to get on a player. That's not a coach's job. Um, that's, that comes from within if players just don't care, like, they're just that. Just they're not it. Then you know, and that's what and that's what Caleb Love and like R.J. Davis and, and even Garcia a little bit. Some of these guys, I don't know. It just they're just they're soft. You know, uh, a lot of a lot of podcasters and like uh, sports reporters like they always say like, man, I hate throwing around soft. I hate throwing around the word soft. I love throwing around the word soft. Uh, I actually think it's great. I I, have, I enjoy throwing around the word soft. This North Carolina team soft. I'll say it. I'm not afraid to say it. They're soft. This team. Uh, as you mentioned, they don't have an identity. Their identity used to be crush teams on the offensive glass. They're horrendous at that now. They're like 190th in the country in offensive rebound percentage. That is one thing I think that they have lost offensively. They do shoot the ball a little better now. Um, but I do think they're, they're, they're at least used to be part of an identity, as you said, with we're going to come and just kick your ass on the offensive yeah. glass, and we might lose, but, boy, we're going to kick the shit out of you inside. They don't do that anymore. It, it's like they want to play this, this beautiful – it's like they wanna be all glitz and glam. And that's unfortunate because I, I I thought the UNC teams that used to just pummel people, um, they had the high end talent to do so, but even when they didn't, they had the identity of we're gonna beat you up. This at team least they- doesn't have the high end talent, but they play like they but they play like they're Hollywood and they're they're not Hollywood talent. You know what I mean?
0: Yeah, and at least like when you're going after on the board, at least like there's an element of you could wear them down late in the game. They don't have yeah. that
1: anymore.
0: Um, yeah, we'll get off them here shortly. I had one more thing I was going to say. About what do you it.
1: think about Kentucky? Does this change how how much does this? We're we're obviously way too Carolina centric for a thirty point Kentucky win. Um, yep. How does this change? Does this change at all how you view Kentucky? And and let's and let's broaden that out too. Let's just talk SEC for a moment.
0: Yeah, my view on Kentucky is you know we've talked about they have all the talent in the world. Um, you know, Shibue is their force inside, and he he really took it to North Carolina or to Baycott, especially in the first few minutes, he sort of set the tone right away. And there's a, there's a offensive possession for Kentucky midway through the first half where they, they literally got three offensive rebounds and then they score on their four shots, which that's a backbreaker. Yeah, exactly. And you know, to put it in perspective on that possession, they shot 25%. That's not good. And they extended the lead. Exactly. Yeah. So, you know they were able to just impose their will on the offense board. They were able to impose. Their I don't will. even think that
1: position that you're talking about. I don't even think Sheboy was in the game at that point. He might.
0: I think he's in foul trouble. Yeah, yeah. And so for North Carolina, they do need to learn to get tougher for sure. And for and sticking to Kentucky, I, I, I can't, I can't help myself. I just went to North Carolina again. I know. Um, but like I said, all town in the world. Severe Wheeler was amazing yesterday. Um, Kellen Grady, I think they need to get more involved. He has. He he had a corner three in the first half, and all I remember thinking is he has a ridiculously quick release.
1: It's just beautiful. It's a it's yeah. butter. Yeah, it's
0: just, it's a great shot. Um, and then they have guys off the bench like uh, Judah Mintz, um who is there. Ta- Lance Ware, who is doing some good work for them. He he got a couple of those offensive I like
1: downs. I like what he does off the bench. Yeah, for them.
0: and so yeah, I mean, I do think I think it's more of an indictment on North Carolina in this game. I, I, I'm i not going to try to take anything away from Kentucky, but I do think
1: it was more of an indictment on North Carolina. I, I wonder how much the Kentucky, uh, <clears throat> obviously their, their loss last week against Notre Dame, like sounded some big alarm bells for a lot of people nationally, just because, you know, they're, they're, they're seven wins in between kind of the Duke and, and Notre Dame losses. They, they didn't beat anybody any good. Right. And, and they were just kind of beating up on these weak teams. They do. I think you're you're right though. They do have the talent to to really get rolling. I think. And I mean, the SEC, they're going to have a ton of opportunities to beat quality teams, and, and I think they will. I, I agree with you. I think this Kentucky team, it's not talented in the traditional Kentucky kind of way, where they're loaded with, you know, lottery picks, but they do have good veteran talent. And Severe Wheeler was a guy who averaged 14 and seven in the SEC last year, and, and he looked very much like that player the other night. Um, Ty Tai Washington's been been up and down. I don't I don't think he's been all that great, but I think he's he's fine. I think he's still trying like, to
0: find his place. Like I think cause Severe Wheeler is so ball dominant, it's tough for Tie Ty, Ty to sort of impose his will. So I think he's still just trying to find his place.
1: Yeah, I, I think so too. I think they need to get Kellen Grady a little more um action. I, I think they need to get him going a little more than they have, but I think they've got they've got great depth and they're not even getting anything. CJ Frederick hasn't even played yet. I don't know what his status is, but I I like this Kentucky team, and if we're we're talking about the rest of the SEC, um, interesting week out of the rest of the SEC. Alabama, who we can talk about a little later, looked human. They've had an interesting couple weeks where they beat Gonzaga. They look like, let's let's hang the banner. Uh, They beat Houston in a thriller. And you're thinking, all right, Alabama's getting into the top five or ten here. They're looking legit. And then they lose to Memphis in a game where it's like, okay, well, Alabama, maybe take a step back. Uh, Tennessee has had some weird performances this year where their offense is just pitiful. Um, and, you know, and, they, and COVID took them out here yesterday, so we didn't get a chance to see what they'd look like. Yeah, against our,
0: that, that's a game I, I would have loved to have watched was that Memphis-Tennessee one, but unfortunately, I, we, we do not get that.
1: I, I sure would have, too. Um, you know, and another team that we were super high on, I think both of us, uh, myself for sure, was Arkansas. They don't look very good. Um, they took another rough loss last night, and so – you know, I, I still think Kentucky is right there at the top of the SEC, you know, and, and Auburn looks a little better. It's, it's a league that we knew was going to be loaded, loaded and maybe a little different, a, a little different way than we were thinking. But I, I still think Kentucky's every bit as good as any of those teams. Yeah. And then we didn't even mention
0: Biggs. You know, we we're talking about the teams, in the SEC. We didn't even mention LSU, who's the undefeated team in there. Granted, their schedule has been easy. They haven't been tested much, but 11-0 and is nothing to scoff at
1: either. No, and, and I think one thing that we, the two of us, I think, overlooked when we were talking about LSU in the preseason, I know the Adam Miller injury took the wind out of the sails in yep. a big way, right? We are thinking, man, where are the guards going to come from? And, and we didn't really account for that. They're still recruiting. You know, it's not just necessarily the transfer portal. They have they have some good freshmen who are who are playing for them, I believe. It's, is it Eric Gaines is one of their Eric, freshman yeah. guards? No, I mean, he's a soft one.
0: Efton Reed is one of the Efton Reed's guys. a good
1: big, yeah. But Brandon Murray, I think he was a top. He's a freshman. He was like a top sixty recruit. So I mean, they've got they've got guys. They've got dudes still on the roster. And and for all the junk Will Wade takes about how he's not, I don't, I don't think he's a particularly great coach. But they win a lot, you know. I mean, it seems like they they keep winning. So I mean, he must. He's at least maybe he's not the best in game tactician. But boy, the man knows how to assemble a roster and like. They are. They're eleven and zero, and and I don't know if that means that they're one of the best. I don't know if I'm ready to say they're one of the contenders World. yet in the league, but I don't think they're bad. You know, I think there are seven legitimate tournament quality teams in the conference.
0: Yeah, and correct me if I'm wrong, but last year their mo, so to speak, was that you know they can put points on the board, but they don't really play defense, right? Yeah. This year, just looking at like scores, like they have games, I'd be willing to bet. Without a calculator here, they're probably giving up 50 points per game, 50 to 55 points per game, just looking at all the scores that they've given up.
1: Well, I mean, John, their adjusted defensive efficiency on Ken Palm is number one. They're the is number it? one okay. defense in adjusted okay. defensive efficiency. That is a complete turn from, yeah. from what they've traditionally been over the last five or six years under Will Wade. You look at that team and it's they passed the, the airport test. right Right away when they get off the bus, it's like, oh, my God. How isn't this team amazing defensively? They're always big, they're always long, athletic, you know, chiseled, the thoroughbreds out there playing basketball, and yet their defenses are never good. And that's always been kind of the it's like what, what the hell are you doing? Why are you not playing any defense? Um, they sure are this year, and, and that's it's no surprise that they're as good as they are. see so if, if that defense can continue to be as good as it is, then they're then they're going to be in the mix too. They're very Virginia E this year, to be honest. Yeah, I mean, they, they still play at a pretty fast tempo. I mean, they're in the top 70 in, in adjusted tempo. So, I mean, they still they still get up and down the floor. Um, <clears throat> that's kind of like what Alabama's been the last few years. And Alabama, I'm tr- trying to find them here in the adjusted defensive metrics. Um, Alabama's 46th in adjusted defense, 28th in tempo. But that was what Bama did last year was they played at a fast pace still, but their defense is really good. And so – you know, you're you're playing quick. You're getting a lot of offensive possessions. They're getting a lot of possessions, but if your defense isn't letting them score, and you're getting a ton of possessions where you might be able to score, you know, you you build on leads and you can snowball some teams.
0: Yeah, so let's do this. Like we like to do this sometimes. Are we in agreement that Kentucky's probably the most talented team in the SEC? <sighs> who, who would who would you give that award to?
1: I might, I might say Alabama.
0: You might say Alabama. Cause my next question was, who's the second best?
1: I would say those two are probably one. Too. I would say Alabama just cause I mean, I like those guards still Shackelford and Quinterly and, um, and Keon Ellis is having a really good year better than I think anybody thought he would, you know, and, and JD Davison pops for them in, in kind of a limited role. I would say Alabama still has the most talent, um, and then, I and then, yeah, I think I think you can probably say Kentucky, okay, or maybe. Now, oh, man, it's tough though because you I mean Auburn. Auburn's ranked thirteenth in the country right now, and they've got a ton of talent.
0: Yep, yeah, they do.
1: You know, and they're getting a lot, and some of it's not even there yet. Alan Flanagan hasn't even played, and he's an impact guy. So it'll be interesting to see what he can bring to them. You know, your guy Walker Kessler finally had a had a nice game last night. I think he showed up for once. If if they start getting double double type production out of him, that's a that's a front line that just nobody else in that conference has. And Jabari Smith's I think been better than than he was really he was really highly rated and really hyped up. And I've been more impressed. I thought I think he's been even better than I was expecting. So he's been that good. And yeah. <clears throat> Tennessee is kind of like last year a little bit where they're good, but it just kind of feels like at times something's missing. I would have really liked to see them play yesterday against Memphis because. I, I think I'm having. I don't know. Maybe this wasn't the game that we were talking about before. But you said something. There was a team that had a terrible performance, and you said that's going to be a thing that I hold on to way longer than I should. And, and I think I'm going to do that with that Tennessee Texas Tech game, even though I shouldn't. I just I'm going to have a hard time getting that out of my head. How just it was horrendous. You know what I mean? Yeah. Yep. Yeah. But they're legit. I
0: think, think that's. I think that was me saying Oregon
1: is bringing the Pac-12 down. I think yeah, that's what was, that, that that could was, be. Yeah. You're right. I think that is what you were saying.
0: Um, Say, so yeah, let's talk about that Bama-Memphis game. And this is a game that Memphis definitely needed. And it was close throughout the first half. And then they just sort of, they just sort of slowly pulled away in the second half. And, you know, it's good they got the win, but I, I feel like it's still a sloppy win for them. You know what I mean? Like, I, there's times, like, they'd be dribbling around and they just happen to lose it. But it it's like the ball just, like, bounces to the perfect spot and they get, like, a three or something. You know what I mean?
1: Yeah, boy, they, they did. You're right. And they shot – didn't they? Sh- they shot like 55% from three, yeah. if I'm not mistaken. I feel like they banked uh, up. From the, threes.
0: No, they're like 34 from the three, but 55 from the field.
1: Oh, really? I thought yep. they shot really well from three. So, I okay, I'm misremembering that. But, um, <laughs> yeah, I mean, they're not going to – I just don't think there's a team like – I think we're holding this Oregon team to maybe last year's Oregon standard where anything less than like a 20-point just dominant win and you're like, whatever. I mean, going to, going to Oregon, a team that I'm, I'm having a hard time quitting, they're they're disappointing and maybe the most disappointing team in the country. But I think they showed you for a half. They've got dudes on that team still. I mean, they've still got a ton of talent. And Oregon or and Baylor, I think it's safe to say they did not play their best in a road game against an Oregon team that's got some talent. And they still ended up winning. I think that probably sometimes it's it's those ugly wins that almost are more impressive than just when you can freight train a team and just steamroll them and win by 30, I think it's more impressive. Like that's They're not going to be able to just dominate everybody. So the fact that they were able to get a win like that where they've got to kind of grind it a little bit and make a comeback and things don't go their way the whole way, I don't know. I I came away thinking like, yeah, I mean, I do think this Baylor team, I don't think they're like inevitable like last year's Gonzaga-Baylor both kind of felt. I don't think they feel – they feel beatable, right? They're human, but uh, maybe that's what makes it – uh, kind of like what Captain America and Batman, what makes them all the more heroic is that they can be killed, right? And what they're doing is still heroic because they're they're normal people. And, you know, they're not superheroes in the sense that, like, like Superman obviously like, has no weakness minus kryptonite. Right. You know, what makes Batman and Captain America heroes that are, they're so heroic and I resonate with is that, hey, a bullet can kill this guy and the things that he is doing is still amazing. You know, a, Baylor's human. They can bleed just like a normal team. Um, but they keep finding ways to win, and and that's I guess the the comparison that I'm going to make. Uh, what are your thoughts?
0: Um, I have to ask this. I don't know if I'll, I'll keep this in, but you realize I was talking about Memphis, Bama, and then you picked up with Baylor, Oregon.
1: Oh, yeah, I was definitely <laughs> just waiting for my turn to talk on that. So. Good. I did hear you say Memphis. Now that you say that, I I kind of just it, it went right over my head. I'm going to leave this in there. <laughs> Perfect. But yeah, Memphis, that was an impressive win over Bama. You're right. <laughs> I just want you to know that I'm sick. All right. I'm not making excuses. Okay. okay there you go. Okay. It's the perfect. sickness. <laughs> but yeah, tell me what you think about that game. Um, you know, that was another team that we were talking about a couple of weeks ago saying like, it's kind of fun that they're terrible, but it's also one of those teams that's talented enough that you're just, ne- you're going to, when they're on, I'm going to be intrigued. Um Quick side note, Baylor did shoot 52% from three, <laughs> and they got eight of 18 from the free throw line. Wow. So that,
0: that's what you, so when you said the 55% stat, were you speaking of Baylor or Memphis?
1: I was thinking Baylor. Yeah, I okay. wasn't thinking okay. Memphis. Okay. Perfect. That makes sense now. But yes. Yeah, that Bama, the Bama-Memphis game was, <clears throat> I mean, everybody's talking about how Imani Bates only played like 15 minutes, and I mean, I think you and I were talking about it that night, right? I mean, Memphis is just better when he's not on the floor. He slows mm-hmm. everything down for them. He makes them worse because he is more interested, it looks like to me. He I have play- a question. I have a question. Okay. I have a question. I'm going right. to wrap it up Because I have a question. I thought about this the other night. So
0: Memphis is a team that had some talent last year, right? You talk about DeAndre Williams. You talk about, you know, Landers and Ollie. They get um, – Earl Timberlake. They had Lester Quinones, right? They had a lot of talented guys last year. Boogie Ellis. Yeah, they had Boogie Ellis last year, and he departed for uh, USC. And then, you know, they get some transfers, they get some incoming freshmen, and then they get two guys reclassify, who would have been seniors this year in high school, reclassify, and are ranked, like, after they reclassified, I think, fifth or sixth best freshman in the country, basically. Which... That in itself, I think, is overreactionary because, like, you know, you got to realize with these guys, um, you know, Marvin Bagley is a guy who he left a year earlier and he was great. And there are exceptions to what I'm about to say, but every player has a certain, like, um, like a gradual improvement over their basketball playing career. Right. And some some guys need that se- senior year of high school. And I think, you know, Amani Bates probably needed that. Um, But I'm getting off, to- off topic on even what I was even about to say. I was thinking about the other night where could you envision, say, you know, Jalen Duren leaving early, Imani Bates, maybe he stays, maybe he transfers, maybe he goes uh, G League. I'm not sure if he'd go, be able to go G League yet or not. But with the guys who could depart from Memphis, do you think next year's Memphis team could be better than this year's Memphis team just because the pieces will fit together better?
1: Does that make sense? It does make sense, although I, I don't because I – I just think <clears throat> nowadays none of these guys stick around. A, DeAndre Williams will be gone. He's like 27 years old. Do you know that he's that old? I did not know that. Apparently he's like 25 or 26. So He's not 27, but he's, he's an old dude. Um, and I think he's their best player. And what Memphis, when Memphis got good last year, it was when DeAndre Williams got eligible. He was ineligible the first handful of games, I remember, early in the season. Once they got him eligible and kind of up to speed – I mean, he was, he was a stud. He, he's really good. And, and I think the talk of him and Jalen Duren coming in and, and messing with his vibe, I think that's overblown. You saw on Tuesday night, those two have have very good chemistry. You know, they have, that's like a perfect kind of four, five Jalen Duran is like the perfect five to play with DeAndre Williams, because he's a, he's kind of a point forward Jack of all trades kind of college four who's, who's a pretty good passer. He's like a, a solid help defender, but he's not necessarily a defensive anchor. Um, I'm not really answering your question, but uh, you never do.
0: No, you're right. I don't. Don't you want, don't you want to talk about Baylor right now?
1: <laughs> yeah, I do. I still this, this Baylor team, dude. Did you see? What, did you see the Oregon court though? I did
0: not. Don't they, have, don't they have sort of like the
1: trees on wow, it? Or a am I thinking jungle on there? Yeah, 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 yeah. They've, they've, they've had that for a few years though, haven't they? It's, it seems like it's getting worse. The jungle's getting thicker on that court. I swear, well, it's it, like it's growing. Yeah, it's like it was like a child beard, and now it's like a full on man beard of a court. I don't know; it's hard to look at. <clears throat> I think this Memphis team would have been better had Amani Bates not joined the team. I really do. I think I think they have a too many guys, and I think they have. I think that just wrecked the whole chemistry at least to start the year. I think that threw everything off. Um, I think Jalen Duran fits in just fine because his role is limited to he sets screens he hangs around the short corners and he just dunks everything and and plays defense and stuff like that. He doesn't mess with your vibe too much, right? He's not, he's not demanding touches on the low post going, Hey, clear out. I got this right. Mm -hmm. Amani Bates does every time he touches the ball, he's got to do like the Carmelo Anthony kind of square you up and kind of look around and survey the floor and see like, all right, it's my turn to go to work. And he's just not good at that right now. And the slightest bit of contact knocks that kid over. Like, like he's like a high school girls basketball player, you know, and Not that, not that. Uh, um, yeah, what do you have against women? I don't have anything against women. They fall down more than men. Okay, that's all there is to it. I'm, I'm sorry, that's a factual thing. Um, it just is. And he does. He falls over all the time. Every time there's a slight bit of contact, the man cannot cannot stay on the, like stay upright. And I think that's messed with Landers Nolly, who was like their top scorer last year. It's messed with Lester Quinones, who strikes me as kind of an emotional dude who. When he's playing well and, and like when he's engaged, I think Lester Quinones can be a pretty good player. But I think he's a kid with a with with probably more ego than he should have. And I think Amani Bates just throws him completely off. And the other night he played well. <clears throat> I think uh, they don't even they didn't even have Earl Timberlake the other night, but that's another one. Nope. He probably I I think I think Parrish, Gary Parrish in the Ion College basketball thing, he he obviously is plugged into Memphis as much as anybody. I think the, the point that he makes about them having too many guys is definitely spot on. If they're playing way too many dudes yep. and Imani Bates is, is like, is like two guys, you know what I mean? Like they just need to play him less, I think. And he's, he is their best prospect and Penny has made like a, a brand out of making Memphis like this. We're going to be really NBA and we're going to, we're going to have prospects, but uh, there comes a point in time where Memphis fans don't care about your NBA prospects. They want Memphis to win, you know? And, um, and I think Jalen Duran can be a perfectly fine college basketball player. Amani Bates isn't, and I tend to think to your question of would this Memphis team maybe be better next year with less guys? If Amani Bates sticks around, sure, Amani Bates will be on the cover of breakout candidates next year. He's probably gonna he's not, he's gonna play this year. Obviously, they're not gonna bench him unless he transfers, which I could definitely see. It'd be really funny, but if he sticks around, he's he's gonna be a guy that he's gonna get better. Right, he can't get worse from this point. And that's a kid that uh, everybody's talked about his scoring mentality and the ability that he's got to knock down shots. He could be a high level scorer next year for this Memphis team, but, <clears throat> but just with, with the transfer portal and how many guys stick around and just the culture that Memphis I think is established. I think you need to look at Memphis. Like it's a junior college where guys are not going to stick around for more than a couple years there. So I don't know what the Memphis team's even going to look like. You know what I mean? Right. No, I agree. Um, I took a really roundabout way to answer your question. I think – I just think if you took Imani Bates off of this current Memphis team, I think – I legitimately think they'd be better. They wouldn't be more talented, but I think they would be better. And that's – it's odd to say it because he's a top-five recruit and he's been on the cover of Sports Illustrated and he's been compared to Kevin Durant and all that stuff. But he, he's not he's not a better – he's not one of their better seven college basketball players right now.
0: Um, but yeah, Biggs, to your point, Baylor won by eight yesterday. Um, <laughs> they did. Um, but yeah, Oregon definitely, like, you know, they had the good start to the game. They're up. I think when I looked, probably before I went to bed, they were up by a few points. Um. But it looks like uh, Baylor is able to get, slim it down to about four points at halftime and then really take it to them in the second half. Kendall Brown, 17 points and 7-8 shooting, Biggs.
1: All good. the dude does is dunk, and it's amazing. Like, he he doesn't try to do anything more than that. Um, it's amazing. He's going to get drafted probably in the top, like, 10. And I don't know if he has a single, like, basketball skill outside of just he's a great defender, and he's just a freak athlete. Sometimes that's all you have to do, Biggs. Yeah. No, 100%. Like, there's something to be said. There's, there's got to be value, I think, in not overextending yourself and trying to do what you're not capable of. I actually find that – I'm actually more impressed with him than I thought I'd be. Cause I thought he would be, I had him pegged as the type of kid who all he cares about is getting to the NBA and showing the NBA scouts what he can do. Um, and I think he's done a really good job playing within himself and like fitting like a, a role for them. And, and he, he really helps complete their team because they have a lot of small guards. Uh, he gives them kind of a physical presence on the wing that they don't have if he's not there.
0: Yeah. You know, I- you made me just think of uh, something I heard on a podcast years ago. They're talking about uh, Vince Wilfork for the Patriots, who is you know their D tackle, the just a big dude. And they're talking about him. They're saying like they're pretty sure his job description is just like stand up and fall forward.
1: Just clog up the clog up the exactly. lane lanes, take as many blocks as possible. Exactly, like, linebackers are untouched then.
0: Yeah, and so yeah, there's definitely a good good point there about how yeah sometimes less is more with these guys for sure
1: yeah 100 percent we're living in a culture right now where less isn't more unfortunately you know i mean think about think about how different music is nowadays in comparison to like in the 80s when it was just you know a guy up there playing his guitar and and using his vocal cords and making making just some sweet music and now it's all the computers are in there and they're messing with with different sounds and they're, they're, they're on the on the disc and stuff like that and they're making they're just more is all the time it's like more isn't more you know less less can be more it's not music you know what i mean yeah it's the same thing culture we're just we always need more stuff more and more and sometimes less is more
0: i i, I hear you there I'm uh, looking forward for baylor because like it's sort of been a storyline where it's like team becomes number one and then they lose right uh, looks like their next test is really January first um, against Iowa State. Um, and that's really when they start Big Twelve play. How mid, like how long do you think they'll be able to hold on to the, that number one spot?
1: I was just about to do the thing here where I'm going to find Baylor's schedule yep. and we're going to predict when they're when they take that loss. When they when do they take the L? I'm going to say February 5th again at Kansas. Wow, they got another two months, huh? Yeah. Fufta. That's a that's a that's a while. Let's see here. All right. Alcorn State. I feel good about that one. Northwestern State. I think they will lose. I think they will lose Tuesday, January fourth against Oklahoma.
0: A home game even.
1: Yep. Okay. So Yeah, I don't feel great about I'd feel a lot better about that one if it were at Oklahoma. But I will say, I will say they lose. I will say they lose before your date. I'll tell you that much right now. I, I feel like they won't get to February. February fifth against Kansas is that what you said? Yeah. February fifth. Boy, have, I'm going out. They're there. Gonna have play to, play they're going to pile up some good wins there. They're going to beat West Virginia, Oklahoma a couple times, Bama, Texas Tech. Tell you what, there are there's a lot of potential losses in there,
0: I, and, and like that would be like. A dozen more games from now? That'd be a hell of time. a gauntlet, yeah. yeah.
1: And, like, seven of those I would deem as, like, quote-unquote, you know, losable, you know what I mean?
0: Yeah. I think the big takeaway here is that I'm more bold
1: than you are. Probably. I guess I'm just a Baylor hater, apparently. Yeah, pretty much. No, I mean, I, th- I think they're legit. I mean, they obviously are – I think they're the, the maybe the best defensive team in the country, <clears throat> and they just, they just look so complete. You know, I mean, they, they really do. They just look really complete. They just, they look sound. They've got guys who can, they've got plenty of guys who can shoot it. They've got, they've got guards who can shoot. They get into the paint well. Their bigs are just physical and uh, tough as nails. Matthew Meyer is, is, is a solid player. Kendall Brown's given them a ton. I like Baylor a lot. I don't like him as much as you, apparently, but I, I think, I think they're as good as anybody in the country. Obviously, they're ranked number one. So That's true. That someone true. ought to someone ought to give Baylor some respect.
0: Yeah. Now, moving on to another game here, Villanova loses by twenty to Creighton, and they are now
1: seven and four. Should they be worried? Yeah, I, I would be. I'd be sounding the alarm bells. I think Villano- Villanova looks broken to me. Um, I watched I watched some of that game Friday night, and. It's, it's the same thing. I just don't know how many more times – I don't know how many other ways I can say it. They just – they look like they don't have the juice. They just – they don't have any sort of – they don't have any sort of second gear, you know. Like it looks like a team that's – it's like a car that's just like perfectly capable of driving, you know, 30 to 50, you know, down the down the road. But the second you got to get on the interstate and pop that thing up to 80 and get somewhere, they just – they can't do it, you know. And and it just – they just – they're Virginia, if they can't control the tempo, if a team gets a lead on them, they they just don't have – I don't think they can do it. And we've always associated Nova with being this offensive juggernaut. And more than that even is we've always associated them with being a team that is just loaded with shooters. <clears throat> I don't think they're that good at shooters. I really don't. I think Gillespie's an okay shooter, but nobody creates him easy shots. He has to create all the shots for everybody else and himself. And I don't think he's great at that. Justin Moore is a, a good player, but I don't think he's a – he's not just like a go-certified bucket getter. Like he's like a, just a, a, a solid like utility type who's going to get you like 14 to, to 17 points, but I just don't think he can dominate a game. Jermaine Samuels is, you know, just an effective player. We were talking about this I think early in the year where uh, about different teams and we're saying did we overrate the loss of – or did we underrate the loss of, you know, so-and-so's team's best player? You're talking about Jeremy.
0: I was just about to say, did we not value him enough? And yeah, just assume I, that
1: all these other guys would pick up the slack,
0: but they just I, haven't.
1: And that's and that's what it feels like. Yeah, it feels like that, doesn't it? It just feels like everybody else stayed the same, and they haven't replaced Jeremiah Robinson Earl. You know, yeah. Brandon Slater's given them a, a really nice lift. I mean, imagine where they'd be if Brandon Slater – I mean, who saw what he's done coming? I don't think anybody did. He's, he's been a lot better than expected, but Gillespie's been more or less the same guy. Justin Moore's been more or less kind of the same guy. Jar uh, Samuels, more or less kind of the same guy. They don't have any depth. It just it just feels like they're they missed uh, they miss Robinson Earl and they haven't really replaced him.
0: Yeah. And I think it is something that we get into the habit of I think it was like three man leave a couple years ago, they're approving some random team. And they're talking about like, oh, they have this they have all these guys returning, but it's like from a bad team, so why does it even matter? You know what I mean? Yeah. Um, just, which, I think which I'm, not, which different I'm different. not saying Villanova was a bad team a year ago at all, but like, it's just to the point where just because you have guys returning, you know, maybe they weren't that good to begin with. So what makes you think they're all of a sudden all, all five of those guys returning are going to be amazing this year?
1: Yeah, they were a, they were a four seed last year. I think the, before the Gillespie injury, they were trending, you know, last, last season, I think they were trending towards, they were probably anywhere from a three to a five seed. Right. And, and this team kind of looks like a like a 4 seed, right? A 4 5 seed yeah. something like that. It's a, it's a good team still, I think. Do you still um, think
0: they're the best team in the Big East? You know, when we did our preview, we were talking about like who is the second best. Maybe Villanova is. Do
1: you think Villanova's even the second best? I don't know about that either. We have to I don't know how do you identify I don't, maybe it's a maybe it's a league without a best team. Maybe it's maybe we skip one and we just go from 2A to 2B. And maybe, like, there's, like, a two exclamation point dollar sign, you know, hashtag in there somewhere. Maybe there's not a team that deserves one, you know? Okay. Could I don't know. Who's the best team? I, I don't know. Oh, is it Connecticut did, did, just lost. Uh, is it Xavier?
0: That's the team you like. So does the Big East just not play the Big East championship game later on this year and not crown anyone?
1: Yeah, maybe not. Maybe they just shut, maybe COVID, maybe COVID's the best team and they just shut it down after the semifinals.
0: There we go. Let's not, let's not bring up bad memories. Yeah.
1: Can we not talk about that? Yeah.
0: But going into today or into uh, their game against Creighton, you know, they were seven and three, but their losses were to UCLA, Purdue, and Baylor. So it's like, you know, that game against Baylor lost by 21 and they scored 36 points. So that was a bad game. And I mean, look at the, like the, their last two games, they've lost by 19 and 20 or 21 and 20.
1: They're heading the wrong way.
0: Yeah, they uh, and their next game this coming Tuesday, which we'll get into later, is against Xavier. So, they're going to have to out. they're going to have to get it right and get it right soon.
1: Mm-hmm. I agree. Yeah, I mean Xavier, that's a team that that seems like they're they're playing awfully well right now too and um, they have a ton of talent and, you know, Zach Fremantle is kind of back working his way back into the mix for them. That might be a team that that is eyeing maybe that top spot in the Big East.
0: Yeah, and let's see. We can just do. We can just hop into some game previews. I only have two of the games. I was sort of a to touch on Virginia Tech over St. Bonaventure and Gonzaga oh over, Tech, over Texas Tech.
1: Um, do you have anything to say on those? Well, I mean, just as we were talking about how Virginia Tech has been one of the best teams in the country, and they're just super exciting and like they're loaded. I'm just kidding. We were talking. We. I think I had mentioned last week. I said, man, I'm having a hard time getting excited about this Va Tech team. There's just something it just feels like I was going to be really excited about them. And then a couple guys transferred out and, and I think they're okay, but I don't know. It's just kind of underwhelming. And then they go and just absolutely kick the shit out of St. Bonaventure. They, they yeah. won by like 35 points.
0: And we're talking about with St. Bonaventure. They have this talented <laughs> and, and experienced starting five,
1: but they have really no one else after that. And that sort of showed in this game. Well, yeah, I mean, it's, and it certainly showed, I mean, not even more than that. I mean, even the, the talented experienced starting five, uh, none of those guys played well. You know, I I think all of them basically had an off night. And I guess that's just kind of a a reminder to you that that is as, as exciting as St. Bonaventure is, you know, and and we got hyped about them to start the year. That's another team though, that brought back all the same guys from a team that was like, what a 10 seed. Right. And, And, and they're a mid major team and, and, and that's fun. And there's some continuity that can, we can get kind of excited about. But at the end of the day, um, they're all fifth-year guys for a reason. They're probably just not incredibly talented. They're good enough to probably win some games, but this can get this can happen to them, I suppose, sometimes when they play against teams that are just better than them. Yeah, I agree with that.
0: Now, okay, should we uh, get to the part where we scroll through the upcoming games and talk about which ones we're interested in? Absolutely. Okay. Uh, let's see, Sunday. Am I on Sunday or Monday? I'm on Sunday. Sunday, I don't see anything. I see St. John's and Seton Hall got that one. It was a forfeit. Who who forfeited that?
1: St. John's did. Covid. Covid got him. Damn, that sucks. I know.
0: Uh, let's see. Let's scroll over to Monday. Or that. Was, why is it not updating for me? That was Monday. Um, let's see. Tuesday we have Xavier Villanova. That's probably easily the best one. Um, I don't really see much outside of that. You got anything for me?
1: UConn uh, Marquette could be an interesting game. It was a Marquette. I don't we haven't really checked in on Marquette lately but they had they had gotten off to a nice start early in the year. I don't know where they're at these days but <clears throat> that one's that one that one catches my interest a little bit. Um USC Great. Oklahoma State was canceled because of COVID. That's unfortunate because that could have been a that one that one could have also caught my eye. How do they decide
0: um, when when a team forfeits and when it's just canceled?
1: Well, I I think I think maybe if teams have to go on COVID pause I would assume they have to forfeit then. Okay. I don't know. I'm wondering yeah. if is, it's – maybe is, maybe that's something it has, to do with, like, the amount of time ahead of time. You know what I mean?
0: Right. I'm curious does to see deal? how it affects, say, like – like does, like, the tournament committee factor in these forfeit games and be like, oh, this team didn't actually lose. You know what I mean? That yeah, doesn't mess with their standings and stuff. Exactly. I'm, not, right. I'm
1: not sure. Yeah. That's something they're going to have to figure out because I, I don't think they were really prepared for that this year. I think they thought it was going to go away. Well, it, I, it I don't hasn't. know if you
0: remember – before the season Ion college of basketball we're probably their biggest advertisers to be honest they owe um, us a lot yeah yeah they they had like a little like wager where it's like over under
1: zero games
0: yeah i think i, I think they officially put out like 0.5 games not canceled but specifically forfeited and just looking at monday there's
1: two of them just for that day yeah there's already a ton of them that's uh yeah. not great that's for sure no. Uh, Wednesday, the slate is pretty decent. I think uh, not great, but decent enough. Uh, Liberty plays Northern Iowa. That's a mid-afternoon. If you've got nothing going on, that is part of the uh, is that like the the Hawaiian Airlines Diamond Head Classic? If I'm not mistaken, that's that is Wednesday. quite the
0: name. That's we should we should power rank someday the best names of tournaments.
1: Well, the Maui Jim Maui and Maui has to be up there, right? Just because they <laughs> say Maui so many times, that's that's always really funny. Um <clears throat> that's a good idea. You could also you could also power rank just the names of like some of the the college football bowl games like the Belk Bowl. That's got to be up there, right? Who doesn't yeah, love the sure. Belk Bowl? <laughs> uh I see Drake St. Louis on Wednesday also. That's an afternoon game. Yep. Yep. That one could be intriguing enough. I think St. Louis is off to a decent start and they hung tough with Auburn the other night. Yeah. Uh Louisville that's Kentucky
0: at 5. That's a nice little rivalry
1: game. We have Arizona Tennessee at 6. Yep. That's got some potential there. There's two. That's two very watchable ones there on a Wednesday evening. So uh, I think those are both. Those are both Ooh. up there that, for games that you got to probably try to check out, right? Duke, Virginia Tech. Yeah, like, I just want to say that that's another good one too. Yeah. So there's three. There's three pretty good ones there. Um, <clears throat> yeah, that's probably it for Wednesdays. So there's there's some good there's some good stuff there. Kentucky, Louisville. What do you think about that one?
0: Robbery games are always great, Bigs.
1: Yeah, you throw out the records.
0: Yeah, exactly. Records just don't exist.
1: Yep. Milwaukee plays Saint Xavier on Thursday at one p.m. I that doesn't get my gears going. That doesn't at all. tickle your fancy. No, it does not. Okay. Well,
0: I, I, to be honest, I'm already on the Thursday slate right now, and yeah, that's, that's it's not very big. I see Seton Hall versus DePaul. DePaul's nine and one, but you, you know they're not.
1: They haven't played anyone, right? And I don't know if Seton is Seton all going to be able to play. I don't know what teams have COVID or whatnot. I, I, I'm not sure. So I hope. Cur- I hope to- Currently it is
0: not in, because like ESPN has like a separate sections for forfeited or canceled.
1: Okay, Currently the City
0: Hall is not, has not been moved down to that section yet.
1: Okay. All right. <clears throat> um, uh, Friday and Saturday as the rest of that Hawaiian Airlines diamond head classic. And and I think Friday, if, if the matchups hold in this tournament, you could potentially get, um, or is it Thursday that the matchups? Maybe they it's, don't on Friday. They play on Christmas it, Day. It, I know it, it, it conc- yeah, it concludes on Saturday because I
0: scroll to there. All I see is four games TBD versus TBD. Yeah. So, well, who's going to win that?
1: When the two TBDs get together, you really throw up the record. <laughs> um, no, but there could be. I think you could potentially in the second round, I want to say you could potentially have BYU against Vanderbilt. That could um, be good. Yeah, I think that one could be intriguing trying to remember who's on the Wait, other so, side. so what's the name of this? Can you, can you say the name of this again? It's the Hawaiian Airlines Diamond Head Classic, I think.
0: I'm going to look up a bracket.
1: Yeah, I was looking at a bracket here the other day, and I don't remember much of it. I just remember thinking like, ooh, Vandy versus BYU could be like – I wouldn't even say it's like a great game, but I would put it like on the like a like a five on the watchable scale. You know what I mean? Okay. Like I'd say I got it's got the watchable. bracket up. I got the bracket up. So let's predict right. the it
0: championship let's predict the championship game that we want, but we will not get. Okay. Okay. Uh the four games in order from top to bottom. Liberty, Northern Iowa, Wyoming versus Stanford, BYU versus South Florida, and Vanderbilt versus Hawaii. I would want, but we will not get
1: BYU versus Liberty. Yeah, I would take either BYU or Vanderbilt versus. I would love to see Liberty playing against somebody, and I hope it's BYU as well. You will get to see them playing against someone because they play Northern Iowa on Wednesday. Ooh boy! And I think that's actually that's on Wednesday afternoon, though, isn't it? You know, I could, I have a half day at school. I think I actually could watch that game because I think it starts at like two o'clock. It says 10 a.m. Hawaiian
0: Standard Time, which I'm not yeah, sure they're, what they're the relation is. Yeah, they're
1: four I, hours behind us. So, how do you know that? Um. I don't know. There's just okay. some things that I know that I don't understand how I know. That's fair. But I know that. So that one that one, I think could be a fun first day. But you're right. I think Liberty against either BYU. I think Liberty against BYU. Honestly, I think the four best teams play each other in the first on the first day. I think Northern Iowa, Liberty could be a good one. And I think the winner of that could play in the championship. And I think BYU, well, they don't play Vanderbilt. I think BYU and Vanderbilt are the next two best. And they could play each other on Friday. Right. Yeah, a perfect. Perfect day it could be, you know, the winner of Liber- like Liberty, Liberty and uh, Northern Iowa. That gives us a good game on Thursday. BYU Wednesday. and Vanderbilt play each other on Friday. No, nope. it's Wednesday, Thursday, Saturday. That's right. Okay, yeah. so on Wednesday, Liberty and uh, and Northern Iowa give us a classic, and then the winner of that game advances, wins on Thursday, plays on Saturday. BYU and Vanderbilt both win on Wednesday, play each other Thursday, and we get BYU beating Vanderbilt in a classic. That game delivers. And now we have a classic setup of Liberty against BYU in the championship. Lock it in. I will watch that on Christmas. Let's go. All I want for Christmas is Liberty against BYU in the Hawaiian Airlines Diamond Head Classic. Does your mom do the thing where, like, they ask you for
0: what you want for Christmas. And like for me, I, I'm just like, I don't want anything. Don't give me anything. But they keep asking. Oh, it's so like, yeah. for, for This year, if she asks you, like, what do you want for Christmas, just say BYU Liberty.
1: B- BYU Liberty, please. Yeah. COVID's <laughs> taking away my real Liberty, but I would like some just BYU Liberty. Oh, shit. All right. You got anything else, Biggs? I think that's about all I've got, John. It's it's a slow to slow week. But hey, gear like buckle in after Christmas though, because once the once like the new year hits, we're into conference play, baby. And then it's games all it's a games all week. We got we got a ton of stuff. We'll be stock full every every weekend.
0: Yeah. And you know, we talked about before this podcast where, you know, with all games being cancelled and lack of big time games coming up this week, like I thought this was gonna be a shorter podcast, but we're still sitting at like fifty five minutes right now. So I think good- Good for us, but more specifically, Biggs, You know, we like to do this self-reflection stuff. Yeah. I gotta say, you did quite well with your. Uh, I, I feel like you're under the weather right now. Is that what the deal is?
1: Yeah, I, I will. I will tell you. I feel like I think we deserve a lot of credit. I'm not going to make any excuses, but if I didn't pod as well as I usually do, it's because I was sick. Uh, but I'm not going to talk about that. I think I think you really carried the load today. I wouldn't say I had my flu pod, but I would say you definitely picked up the slack for us and really carried things. Um, this just kind of shows we're we've got diversity on this podcast we're we're capable of of handling anything that's thrown our way
0: yeah all right let's get out of here merry christmas hey merry christmas to you